From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 689, Microsoft 365 Desired State Configuration with guest Nick Charlebois. Recorded Thursday, April 16th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. And today our guest is Nick Charlebois. Did I say that right? You sure did. You sure did. See, you're from Quebec. I'm from British Columbia. You know, I learned some French in uh, in grade school, like as we're all required to, being Canadians, but uh, have not maintained it. And Nick is a Microsoft Premier Field Engineer out of Gatineau and uh, was the creator and owner of Reverse DSC, which... Seemed like an interesting thing at the time, but it clearly has gotten some traction. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, glad to have you back. And uh, yeah, what's been happening with DSC? So, well, I mean, I think the last show we recorded was over two years ago, right? Yeah, no and kidding. At the time, we were talking about reverse DSC for um, SharePoint on-premises. And during that show, we actually mentioned that we were starting to look at doing something similar for uh, Office 365 at the time, right? So an Office 365 DSC module. So we actually built on that. And um, we the module is now called Microsoft 365 DSC. And it right. allows which you- in a lot of ways makes more sense because I mean DSC was really about configuring Windows, not so much configuring Office, right? Correct, exactly. And it was it wasn't really thought of being something you could use to configure software as a service either. So this is really a first. Um, we're one of the first projects inside the company to actually use DSC to go and configure software as a service with uh, configuration as code which is very interesting. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, very, very cool. And and clearly important. Now, this is not necessarily reverse DSC that we're talking about now, right? Which is the, the previous show we did. Yeah, exactly, right? So reverse DSC, the brand kind of faded out because now it's it's baked in natively in most of the projects we are uh, working on, right? So reverse DSC is just a native part of uh, Microsoft 365 DSC. You, by the way, the project used to be called Office 365 DSC up until two weeks ago. So, I mean, you might hear me flipping back and forth, but the project has been rebranded as of uh, two weeks ago to Microsoft 365 DSC. But yes, reverse DSC is directly baked in the tool. So you can do an extract of an existing environment just by installing the Microsoft 365 DSC module. You don't need anything else. Tell me that's not a win for you as a, from a career perspective, that the technology that you pioneered as sort of a side project now has been incorporated into the product. Well, exactly, right? I mean, I'm not going to lie. There is a, a learning curve to learning DSC. Oh, without a doubt. People that want, yeah, people that want to learn desired state configuration, they most of the time don't know where to start. So when we did that, that show on reverse DSC, right, one of the main focus of the the idea was to get people ramped up very quickly to have them start with an environment that they know 
that they yeah. control and extract DSC out of it and then be able to go through that file that they extracted and figure out, oh, okay, so this is what it is. I know exactly what that component does because I am the one configure it using either PowerShell script I found on the web or using the graphical user interface. Right. And it's a great way of ramping up. Well, and it, it seemed to me the obvious question every time when you were starting to explore with DSC is like, I have this existing server and it quote unquote drifts out of configuration regularly. Like, how do I get DSC? And the original message was start over, build a new, you know, build up the, the your your script in DSC to be able to recreate your existing machine. And that seemed incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, right? And there are so many moving pieces, normally, especially when you're dealing with the on-premises world, right? When you have so many, what I call building blocks to go and acquire. Uh, in the case of, let's say, a SharePoint farm, right? You need to go and grab the uh, DSC module for IIS, for yep. SQL, for the Windows servers. You need the one for SharePoint, right? There's so many moving pieces. And that's one thing we try to do with Microsoft 365 DSC is we take care of all the dependencies. You don't need to install anything other than this one module control all your workloads, which is just fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. Great progress. So thinking in terms of Microsoft off uh, Microsoft 365, so that is Office 365 with Windows, Intune, what all else is in there? We have Azure AD. Right. Uh, we support everything that has to do. So for right now for conditional access, right, uh, we have all of Office 365 in there. Uh, Intune, we have some resources being worked on as we speak for Intune. So pretty much everything that is part of the ecosystem, we control with DSC. Okay. Is this a configuration solution then for desktops? Is that where we're going here? That's not really for desktop, right? So the, the challenge we have here is that DSC, as you know, right, is great at bringing an environment in that desired state, but it also does what we call that consistency check. So we'll go and make sure that the environment stays in that desired state. And mm -hmm. if there's any configuration drift, it will act on it. Okay. It can log it or it can automatically fix it. Now, the challenge with software as a service is that let's say I go and I run this from my, my own machine, right? I just want to go and deploy something. So as an admin, I run that from my desktop. The moment I go and shut down the machine, I lose a consistency check. Right. So the, the challenge with this is, all right, so how do you do that consistency check then? Do you actually run it on a VM somewhere, but then you have that VM running as a middleman? Or we actually support running it in containers. So you can spin off containers, have those consistency check done in different container agents. Mm -hmm. But the ideal solution, really, because we're dealing with configuration as code, is to use a CI-CD pipeline system, such as Azure DevOps, right, where we can just have your pipelines and do continuous monitoring using a scheduled release pipeline, for example, to do the consistency check. So very, very interesting um, new scenarios that we, we we see happening around Microsoft 365 DSC. The, the tool really does five main things, right? So the first one is automate. That's easy enough. That's configuration as code. Yeah. So you write your configuration. You write how you want your environment to be configured. So within the same configuration, you can go and say, right, I want to set my SPO sharing, uh, my SharePoint Online sharing settings to uh, not allow external users to share links, for example. I can set my Exchange Online workload. I can go and define Teams calling policies, security and compliance. I can go and set my Azure AD group expiry policies in there, all within one configuration file. I can manage all those workloads. That's all right. So for me as an IT person, 
dealing with all of the rules around everything to do with Microsoft 365 and the policies and things that I want to act on, I can define all of this as configuration as code and then make sure it's propagated wherever I need it. Exactly. And I mentioned it previously, but we're taking care of all the moving blocks or the building blocks under under the cover, right? So right now, if your job is to be a Microsoft 365 admin, mm-hmm. whatever that means, that means a whole lot of things, right? Yeah. But if you want to be managing all the different workloads using PowerShell, for example, well, you need a couple of dependencies. For Exchange, you need to go and acquire the Exchange Online Management Shell. Right. Uh, you have the Graph API that can be used. You have, for SharePoint, you have the SharePoint online management shell, you have the SharePoint patterns and practices module, you have a PowerShell module for Power Apps, you have, right, so I mean, the list of dependencies that you need is just, it's almost endless, right? Yeah, no So kidding. when you install in Microsoft 365, we automatically go and acquire all those sub APIs, right? So all you need to do at this point, Microsoft 365, you see, almost becomes an abstraction layer on top of all those sub dependencies. Right. So it's really one conf- one module to rule them all if you want, right? So you just write one configuration and you can manage all your workloads. So that's really the first thing that Microsoft 365 uh, DSC focuses on. So it's configuration as code. The other one is the extract function, right? So as we mentioned, we have reverse DSC natively baked into the product. Mm-hmm. So the moment you install the module, you have access to a PowerShell commandlet that's called export M365 configuration. So really, if you want to start today, you just open a new PowerShell window. You type in install-module Microsoft 365 DSC. Right. Wait about 30 seconds for all the pieces to be downloaded and installed on your computer. And then you can start right away and call into export M365 configuration. When you do that, what we actually do is we bring up a graphical user interface that allows you to pick and choose what components you want to go and extract. So you can pick an entire workload. You can say, I'm only interested in the team's workload, for example. Or you can go and say, I want to grab the SPO sharing settings, the team's calling policies. You provide your your admin credentials, and off you go. You automatically extract that configuration. And so what's in this configuration? Like, what, what all are we looking at here? So what you're going to be looking at is a DSC file. So you actually extract a PS1. Right. That's going to be a PowerShell script yeah. that contains your configuration and that will contain all the properties for the components you've extracted. So if, for example, you decide to extract Teams calling policy, well, we're going to go and dynamically extract every single calling policy that you have in your environment. Right. And represent those as DSC. And at the end of the extract, we ask you, where do you want to store that file? And off you go. We generate that PS1 for you. So that brings me to my second point, right? So the, well, my, my third item really. So the first one, again, automate, extract. The third one is synchronize. So now that we have the possibility of automating deployment and of automating extraction, I can go and extract configuration from one tenant. Right. And I can just push that configuration back to another, another tenant. tenant. So I can yeah. keep multiple tenants in sync configuration nice. wise. And that is very powerful. Very powerful. Yeah. Well, I, sh- I mean, I, I'm also jumping ahead a step here, Nick. Like, first and foremost, it's like, so what are my policies? Like, it's one thing to look at it in the tool. It's another thing to literally have them in front of you in text. Exactly. Like, here they all are. No, yeah, no, that, that, that's exactly it, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I would even like to be able to, com- you know, I'm almost tempted to run that as a text compare against some other configurations to say, you know, how do I stack up? What configs am I missing? Like, what what permissions do I not realize are out there right now? 
Well, you're stealing my thunder <laughs> no, there. Dude, the first item we do <laughs> is we let you assess configuration. Right? Yeah. So what you can do is you can actually extract the configuration from one environment. Mm -hmm. And let's say you, you don't want to apply it to another tenant. You just want to compare. You want to see, all right, so how yeah. does that second tenant match um, the configuration I extracted? So what you can do is you can actually assess. So you take that template you've extracted and you go, go and assess that template against that other tenant. And it will come back and it will give you a report. It will say, here are the discrepancies between that extraction and the other tenants. And it will tell you exactly what properties are not matching. So for example, if you look at Teams client configuration, um, you extract from one tenant and that tenant has the client audio port set to port 20. Right. You go and assess it against the other one. It will come back and say, there's a discrepancy that destination tenant has it set on port 21. Right. So right there, you know exactly what the differences are. So when you're doing like a merger acquisition type of uh, uh, engagement, right, that's yeah. really, really powerful. Again, you can just quickly run those reports. I think about, you know, the Microsoft Security Baselines blog, right? And the number of times yeah. you get an example of this is the right way to lock down this service, like to be able to say, OK, given that this was a template, to be able to compare that template against what's my current configuration and see where are the differences and say, now, what are the consequences of making these changes? So I know where to study, like where that's going to impact me the most. Yeah, exactly. And we are working on getting some of those blueprints out. Uh, if you go to the official website, so the website is aka.ms black amateur 65 DSC. And on that website, we have a section called templates. Um, it is still very quiet in there, but what we have is baseline templates. So for example, when you create a new uh, Microsoft 365 business tenant, what's the baseline configuration that you get for Teams? So it's available there. You can go to the page, you're gonna see that the description of that configuration. So we're gonna list everything in an HTML table format saying, here are all the policies that come with that blueprint with all the properties. But we also give you the option to either download the blueprint, so right. we, to download a PS1 file that you can just apply, or directly at the top of the page, we're going to give you the command that you can run, which is um, assert Microsoft 365 DSC configuration. And when you run that, you basically give it the name of the template you want. It's going to go and download that blueprint from the website mm -hmm. locally, and it's going to ask you, all right, provide credential for the tenant you want to assess against that tenant, against that blueprint. And then it's going to go and do the assessment remotely. So you don't have to install anything. You don't have to write anything. We provide you with blueprints. Right. And you can just with one command go and assess remote tenants against that blueprint. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. We talk about a quick way to do a security audit on a bunch of services, right? To just yeah. do, here's my, what my preferred, you know, secure profile looks like. I don't saying you have to have it. Like this is where, where if the, you do have these settings, I know what this means compare the template. Okay, these are where the settings differ. Let's talk about these and, and, you know, don't audit things that don't need to be audited. If they follow the criteria that makes you the most comfortable, then you don't have to look at it. And if they don't, you, then that's what you explore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. I mean, again, really the possibilities for the tool are just um, endless. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and just, you know, you're taking configure bi-directional configuration as code as an evaluation of state. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah. All right. I get it. How about that? <laughs> God, I got <laughs> and, and really, I mean, and the last thing that it allows you to do, which is kind of uh, obvious because we're dealing with desired state configuration, right. is to monitor and alert, right? So because when you deploy a configuration with DSC, 
by default, every 15 minutes, we're going to do that consistency check. So it's going to ask the question to your remote tenant, basically going, are you still in that desired state? Right. And if it detects that there's a configuration drift, it will act on it, as I mentioned. So one option you have is to just log an, ev- an event in the event log, and it's going to be extremely, extremely detailed compared to other DSC modules out there. It's going mm-hmm. to tell you exactly what the property is and when it was changed. What was different? Right? So we get to that very level of granularity. And and even when it was changed? Well, so, so okay. Let's be let's be fair. It's going to tell you exactly when the drift was detected, right? Within that fifteen minutes, so right. it might not be when the change happened, but it's going to be automatic, right? So the moment the drift is detected, you're going to get uh, an event reported. And what you can do is, if you actually have that consistency check run as DevOps pipeline, you can have the alerting mechanism. So whenever a drift is detected, you get an email right away. Right. right? And so th- the big. Uh, the big downside really to the the LCM engine, really the local configuration manager is the engine that runs DSC, is that in a traditional on-premises world, you have to configure the LCM with a single, um, I guess, drift detection mode. What I mean by this is, let's say you're deploying a server with DSC. When you configure that server, you have to choose what configuration drift mode you're going to be applying. Those can be apply only, which basically means apply the configuration. When you're done, your your job is done. Basically, don't do any consistency check. I just want you to bring the environment in that desired state and then let the snowflake effect happen. Users are going to go and change the settings. Sure. The second one is apply and monitor, which is the default, right? Bring the environment in that desired state. If you detect a drift, don't do anything but report it. Just log an event. Yeah. And the third one is apply and autocorrect which is extremely powerful, right? The, the moment it will detect a drift, it will automatically fix it. Now, in the traditional on-premises world, there are scenarios where you might want to pick and choose what components get what mode, right? In the case of SharePoint, for example, if you go and define all your information architecture using configuration as code and you set everything to apply and monitor, you're going to go and deploy all your SharePoint sites but the reality is that you want your owners to be able to go and change the configuration of those sites or delete some of those sites. So if you have them set to apply and correct and people go and start deleting sites, yep. well, within 15 minutes, DSC is going to put them back. Right? <laughs> so one, one thing we've been asking for a while is how can we actually say, all right, SharePoint site collections, I want them to be apply and monitor. And my SharePoint services, those are really mission critical. I don't want anybody shutting down a service yeah. uh, without letting me know. So automatically fix them. You can't do that on the on-premises world because it's all or nothing. Yeah. Whereas with a software as a service approach, what you can do is you can break down your configuration across multiple agents. So you can say, all right, you know what? Security and compliance Anything that is related to that workload has to be apply and autocorrect. Automatically. SharePoint, automatically, right? Yeah. SharePoint site collection, SharePoint uh, property bags. I I just want to be made aware of those. So those would go on another agent that would be configured as apply and monitor. So you can break down your configuration into multiple agents and have them Different configured rules. differently, That's which awesome. is something we don't have on the, uh, on the in the on-premises world. That's really cool. And Nick, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Desired state configuration rocks for configuring and maintaining servers, but you also have hundreds or thousands of Windows 10 machines, on-prem and out for remote work. To manage Windows 10, you use group policy or an MDM service like Intune, 
But to secure those machines, applications, users, Java, and browsers, you have to check out PolicyPack. Only PolicyPack enhances both group policy and MDM to enable you to remove local admin rights and overcome UAC prompts, block unknown where, maintain and lock down applications and OS settings, configure the Windows 10 start screen and file associations, and manage all your browsers. Learn how thousands of other admins enhance the management of their on-prem and remote work Win 10 machines with PolicyPack. Come to policypack.com slash remote work. That's policypack.com slash remote work. PolicyPack. Securing your standards. And listeners of this podcast are eligible to win a free copy of a Cybex Wiley book entitled MDM Fundamental Security and Modern Desktop using Intune, Autopilot, and Azure to manage, deploy, and secure Windows 10 by Jeremy Moskowitz, Enterprise Mobility MVP. Simply pick Run As Radio in the dropdown when you visit policypack.com slash remote work. Good luck, and we hope you win. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Nick Charlebois. We're talking about Microsoft 365 DSC. That's configuration as code for the cloud as per the website. The You know, the, this 15-minute lag thing, and of course, you're talking about worst-case scenario, essentially, is kind of weird. That you can't, you're not going to stop them from making the change if they have the privileges. That's a separate system. You're just going to revert it sometime later, some minutes later. Like, it's almost spooky, the effect. Like, if someone's making a change they're supposed to make, but they haven't incorporated in the DSC element, they're just like, well, why, why did that go back? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's why I always tell my customers, right? Like, the option is there. I'm the type of person that just prefers to do apply and monitor, right. right? So basically get notified, send me an email right away and I can figure out, all right, so let's say John changed that setting in security and compliance, he disabled the policy. I can actually do the follow-up, call, pick up the phone, call yeah. John and say, why did you do the change? Maybe yes. he had a good rationale for it, Yeah. right? I, I don't want the system to make decision on my behalf. Sure. It's available if you want to. I mean, there are some pieces where you, you probably want that to happen. Yeah, security and compliance I see is the area where automatic is fair. Exactly. But there's lots of other places where it's not. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, and so, and the other thing that, so your question brings me to another topic, which mm -hmm. is, is this a GPO for the cloud? Right? Yeah. Um, it, it, but that, that's not a GPOs and DSC are not the same thing. Right. All right. They're, they're not meant for the same thing. GPO is when you want to prevent people from doing something from the get go. Yeah. Uh, and DSC is really, you know what? We're, we want to configure something. We want to give some flexibility to people to change stuff, but we still want to keep control. We don't want the environment to start having that snowflake effect. Yeah. I was uh, talking about, right? The, the disassembly. Well, and I, I mean, I like the awareness when changes are made. You know, and you sort of think in terms of if there was a security change to be made, the fact that you were notified the moment it was made is super interesting. The, the question is, after that security change is made, because it was legitimate, how do I get DSC back to a happy state? Yeah, so really, th there's there's two things, right? So if DSC only controls what you define as part of your configuration. Right. So what I mean by this is, let's say in my... Um, what I call my source of truth, right? So let's imagine a master configuration that defines how all my workloads are supposed to be configured. And in there, I have three data loss prevention policy configured. Right. If somebody goes and changes one of those three policies, I will detect the configuration drift. However, if they go and create a fourth one, 
to me, that's not a configuration drift because what they did was not part of the scope of my desired configuration. Right. So I only control what is defined. So people can go and create drift by adding new stuff. Right. That is only going to be controlled by doing a reverse. Really. So to your question, if somebody goes in and makes a drift, well, first off, I would say your process, your change management process is probably not good. Right. Right. I mean, if you're doing configuration as code, you need to adopt that, that source of truth mentality. Your changes now are not done through the interface. They're not done by running sequential PowerShell script on one of your IT guys' uh, computer. They're done in that source of truth, that master configuration using a source control system, hopefully with a CI and CD um, process in the background, right? So that right. when you make your changes, you commit that, you update your source of truth, and then that source of truth gets reflected in the environment. Hmm. Yeah. And, it, and it's just sort of an order of execute that we change, that we're making the change, but we didn't change the source of truth. I mean, one would argue, so can you, you could make the modification at the DSC level and then it would propagate it for you. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. So normally what, what we do is, so there's r multiple levels of validation for your configuration. Mm -hmm. First off is we actually use um, schemas under every resource that we build. So right. when you're, 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 you're writing your code in Visual Studio Code or the ISC, whatever your tool of choice is, hopefully Visual Studio Code, but you have IntelliSense, right? So if you start writing a configuration and I don't know, you have a property that's called enable mm -hmm. and you set it to one instead of true. Well, it's, it's, or you set it to, I don't know, true what you have a typo or something. It's yeah. going to detect right away. It's going to let you know right from the, uh, IDE. It's going to tell you there's an error. Yeah. Second level of truth is because DSC really deals with MUF files. So that means you need to compile your PS1 before you can execute it. Right. So at compilation time, we're also going to be running some rule validation, right. making sure that you're not enabling something that you shouldn't be as part of your configuration. Mm -hmm. Or passing inappropriate parameters, that kind of thing. Exactly, right? And then there's when you, there's the third level, which is when you actually apply the configuration. Mm -hmm. right? But because the configuration is using idempotency, you can run it as often as you want. Let's say you, it fails the first time around, you realize what your error was, fix it and rerun it again, you're not going to... There's no concept of rollback and there's no need for it. Um, well, there's the concept of rollback to a certain level, right? So DSC, really, there's always going to be three active DSC configuration for any environment. So okay. you always have the pending one, the one that's currently being applied. Right. You have the current one, which is the, the well, I mean, current kind of is obvious, right? That's the one, the last good known configuration right. applied. And you always have previous. So you can always roll back to previous oh, state. And it and it's not really a roll. It's not like you're undoing a transaction. You're just reapplying the old values. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. You're basically just taking that old configuration that's still in memory and reapplying it. The only thing I can see getting ugly here is that you've left out parameters that are relevant to your configuration that it's not managing. Yeah. And so sometimes yeah, you couldn't roll back because you've changed some other parameter that wasn't part of the system and it impairs some of the other val the values in the system. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it, right. So that's why I'm saying it's, I mean, it's, it's there. It's, it's built with the DSC engine. I would not recommend it for Microsoft 365 DSC just so, because of the nature of the transactional changes that you're making. Right. Uh, but, it, but, but it is there, right? Um, but yeah, so that, that, that's how you would do it with, and going back to the, uh, CI CD pipeline, right? Mm -hmm. So what you do is you have a build pipeline that whenever it detects a change that has been committed or a PR that's been sent to your source control repository, 
you kick a build pipeline that's going to go and attempt to compile your configuration. Right. Right. So that's your fa- first uh, uh, fail guard, right? So it tries to compile the configuration. If it fails, then the build pipeline fails. You get an email saying your configuration is not valid because of ABC. Right. Then if that passes, then it goes to a published pipeline or a release pipeline, and then that will go and apply your configuration. What we've seen is, and it's the reality out there, some of our clients have um, dev and QA tenants. They do, right? Yep. So that you can definitely do a CI CD pipeline that will go and compile configuration. All right, configuration compiles fine. Push it to the dev tenant using mm-hmm. the release pipeline. It goes to dev. Perfect. Once the change is done, send an email to the dev team asking them to approve the change. Yep. They approve it. And the same thing goes on and moves all the way up to production, right? So this concept of continuous delivery. Yep. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Be think you're being thinking about delivering software through this as well as just maintaining the configurations of all the different aspects of Microsoft 365. Yeah. But I definitely feel like the custom app is where you're going to get into trouble. Like that that seems like have you got all the right parameters? Do you understand all the configuration elements that matter there? Yeah, I mean they're they're right. We said one configuration to rule them all, but as you know, with great power comes great sure. responsibility as well, right? So I mean, you you need to understand exactly what what you are doing as well. Um, we yeah, and you're not replacing like the Exchange Online PowerShell stuff. You're just automatically incorporating it, so the Exchange guys are still maintaining the interfaces to their product. Exactly, going back to that abstraction layer, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, really, but the thing is, we we make it seamless for you to be able to extract configuration. I think that's really where the big win is, right? Yeah. And being able to just integrate all of this with your CI CD pipeline, again, is something that we didn't have before in the SaaS world, uh, software as a service, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and just going back to being able to be responsible for the configuration you're writing there, we do have on the website I mentioned previously, a, um, you have a link at the top that says getting started and we provide information for everything, right? How do you get uh, started with installing the tool? How do you write your first config? Mm-hmm. How can you contribute back to the project? Because this is all open source, right? right? Everything I do is always open source, always on GitHub. So people can, are free to contribute, to report uh, issues, to submit feedback, submit ideas. We're always looking for people from the community to contribute back to the project. Nice. And I'm just looking at the GitHub repository. So you do have a few contributors. You've written the majority of it, clearly. Uh, <laughs> just looking at the data but yeah, you get a handful of commits from other folks here and m- more than a few from some yeah and to be honest the the entire code base right now is probably 25 percent community driven which is which is huge that's amazing yeah well but you know you pfes you're funny species of microsoft person <laughs> you know because you really live so much in the community as well and, and sort of your approach to the to building tools, and it's not just not that unusual to see tools coming from PFEs because you're out in the field dealing with the battles. Exactly, exactly, right. I mean, we're we're customer facing, so we yeah. know exactly what customers need and what are some of the frustration that they have, right? Um, and uh, for me personally, I mean, I used to be an MVP for several years mm-hmm. before joining Microsoft, right? So I, I've just I. I'm community strong, right? I'm just doing a bunch of speaking engagement, making sure that everything I do is out there for people to be able to consume and contribute to, for sure. Yeah, no, it's 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 great stuff, Nick, and it's fun to see the work you're doing. You're, you're right, you're, you know, you're not allowed to be an MVP anymore because you nominally you're an employee. Well, actually, you're an employee, but again, it's that PFE role of these are the tools that folks out in the field find. This is what I need to understand the state of affairs uh, in my tenant 
and how to get back to a coherent state. Yeah. Well, this is cool stuff. What's coming next? Is this is this done? Done? I see a few. Uh, I see a few issues. So, still some things yeah, waiting to be done. So, as far as what the next steps are, right? It's really the to be able to get that to port over to PowerShell 7, right? So PowerShell right. Core. Um, one of the issues we have right now, or one of the challenges is the fact that the dependencies right now do not yet support PowerShell Core. So if you look at things like, well, the exchange management shell, there's a new version right now, but it's not feature complete. So we're, we're involved with these guys, just uh, making sure that whenever all the... Features have been transferred over to new version. We can actually start leveraging that. Um, items like the SharePoint Online Management Shell, right? I mean, this is not portable right now. It's PowerShell sure. Core. So well, we need to, we're involved with these folks as well. So they until they get to PowerShell 7, how do you get to PowerShell 7? It doesn't seem to be possible for you. You're the superset here. Exactly, right? I mean, unless, uh, I mean, as we know, the Graph API, we keep having updates to those, right? So, I mean, at one point, we're going to have like the two maybe running in parallel where we're going to be able to do the same thing as the actual modules, but calling the graph API directly. So we're going to be switching over to that. But the good news is that users that have invested in writing configuration don't need to care about that really, because configuration stays the same. Again, that layer of abstraction, right? It's just under the cover. It really doesn't matter what we call as long as it actually communicates back with the Microsoft 365 ecosystem. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And are you managing the, the the GitHub project? Are these pull requests waiting on you? No, they're not. So we do have a team of <laughs> designated engineers. Uh, I I am probably the most active just because, again, right, this is my project well, right you've now. Been, you've had your head in this for years, but, so uh, it doesn't surprise me that you contributed so much. Yeah, exactly. And no, but we do have a team of uh, engineers from across the globe right nice. now helping out. I need, I need coverage in other time zones. <laughs> oh, yeah, no kidding. You definitely use some more co contributors here, too. And the issues, for the most part, seem to be things that people wanted to do more of. Just looking yeah, through yeah. the list. They're really yeah, mostly the enhancements. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Like, the, what better complement of any product that you've been working on that people ask you only to do more? Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. So what's the right way to get started here? So I would say go to the website, aka.ms slash Microsoft or M365DSC. Right. Go and read through the Getting Started article. We have a YouTube channel as well. We do weekly um, uh, episodes out there on just how to get started, right? How mm -hmm. do you, like basic stuff. I try to keep the videos under five minutes so that it's easy for people to consume. Every week we do a different topic. This week is going to be about how do you secure your configuration, right? Like when you, you actually pass in those credentials and you compile a MOF file, you don't want those credentials to be hanging around plain text on the server. You yeah. actually need to encrypt that MOF file. So how do you do that with the module, right? Sure. So it's just tidbits of information. Mm -hmm. How do you break down your configuration and do partial configuration uh, for different workloads, for example? So we do have a YouTube channel as well. Um, the link will be added to the website at the top uh, as well. We do have, uh, I'd say, probably about... 30 different episodes right now, 20, 30 nice. episodes. So yeah, definitely keep an eye out for that. If you want to get, uh, if you want to contribute, right, we're, we're always looking for people more than happy to set time aside to get you started. I know it might seem like it's a bit scary to get started with GitHub and how to write your pastor test and stuff, but we do have a team of folks that are more than happy to sit down and help you get started with the project. Nice. And other than that, I'd say, 
extract an existing environment. Yeah, take like, a look at what you're like, doing right now today. And uh, you're starting, I can see here you've got the beginning of some, the SharePoint template and the Teams template. Like, as those templates start to grow up, I'm going to have stuff to compare against and decide what it, what it is that I want. This is a new community, clearly. Yeah, it is exactly right. I mean, so we we just expanded the, the scope of the project, as I mentioned, with your rebranding. Um, this concept of templates or blueprint—that's really new. That's something that we're starting to see with our customers. So awesome. we decided, you know what? It's worth investing. Go, coming out with best practices that we have, right? That we want to make sure people are able to assess their environment against. So that's what we're working on building. And um, going back to how to get started, just any questions, any piece of feedback, go to the GitHub repo, open an issue. I know issue might not be um, the obvious name for that, but just make, we want to build a knowledge base. Sure. We want to get people excited. We want to start having those discussions. So go on get the GitHub repo and ask any questions you have there. Awesome. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Looks like some great work you're doing here. Thanks for having me. All right. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. Mm-hmm.